The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. You know it. It's always true. I wouldn't lie to you. And here we are. What's the buzz on the street today? Well, I have an interesting quote from a gentleman named Hod, H-O-D, Lipson, born 1967. Oh, he's a young fellow. And hi for Israel. He's an American robotics engineer, the director of Columbia University's Creative Machines Lab. And in case anybody's interested, his publications have been cited more than 10 thousand times and he has an H index of 50. I don't know what that means but I'm sure it's something important. Here's the quote. Basically any material you can squeeze, melt or generate into a powder you can print. Think about it. You're right. We're talking about 3D printing and this is the future of manufacturing with game changers. Our topic today is 3D printing changing the game in the chemicals industry. So what's going on with 3D printing? Let's do a little look back here. When Chuck Hull developed something called stereolithography, it was a manufacturing method we now call 3D printing, he predicted to his wife, that's what I read, that it wouldn't be used in the home, anybody's home, for another 25 to 30 years. Well, guess what? Fast forward 25, 30 years, that is right now, and he was spot on. Do you have a 3D printer at home? Some people do, or at least in the garage or basement. Today, due to lower costs, higher speed, and the ability to process a variety, a large, wide range of materials, 3D printing is found in homes as well as in many industries, including chemicals and related downstream industries. Are you surprised? Well, I certainly was when I heard this news. We have a great panel today. I always say that, and of course, it's always true. Let me tell you who's on the panel, and they're going to help us get to the bottom of this and do a little uh, figurative 3D printing today. First up, in a moment, I'll be introducing you to Frank Jenner. He's a chemical process engineer and managing partner at EY, that's Ernst & Young, in their advisory service line. Joining Frank on the panel will be Greg Gorbach. He's been on Game Changers with us before. He's a vice president and analyst at ARC Advisory Group. And rounding out the panel is one of the sponsors of this new series, Stefan Gertzkin, Senior Director for Industry Solution Marketing Chemicals at SAP. We have to do a quick shout-out to our friends at SAP for
for Chemicals. That's a handle on Twitter. They're already tweeting about the show, and thank you very much. I will do the same and mention you. So let's circle around to Frank Jenner at EY. Frank has sent us a wonderful quote. We hear it from time to time. Interesting application for our topic today. It's from Steve Jobs. Come on. February 24th, 1955 to October 5th, 2011. American information technology entrepreneur and inventor. If you didn't know a lot about him, I'll tell you quickly. Co-founder, chairman, CEO of Apple Inc., CEO, major majority, shareholder of Pixar Animation Studios, member of Walt Disney Board of Directors following its acquisition of Pixar. Founder, chairman, and CEO of Next Incorporated, widely recognized as a pioneer of the microcomputer revolution of the 70s, along with his partner in crime, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. So much more I could tell you, but it would be a whole show. Here's the quote Frank Jenner has picked from Steve Jobs, and I quote, You've got to start with the customer experience and work backward toward the technology, not the other way around. That was the brilliance of Steve Jobs, wasn't it, Frank Jenner? Welcome to the show. How are you, Frank? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, um, absolutely true. Yeah, I, I choose, let's say, this um, statement from Chief Steve Jobs. Um, first of all, it's true in itself, let's say, and it applies more or less for every industry, I would say, um, to look from the customer point of view backwards, let's say, into your own production network uh, and your supplier network. Now, why, why have I chosen this in this respect of 3D printing? Um, because I believe that right now in time, we are um, facing exactly what Steve quoted, meaning um, so far we were doing more uh, extraordinary things. Let's say we are doing a lot of prototyping stuff uh, within 3D printing and additive manufacturing. Um, but right now, let's say we think about from the customer need backwards. So that's the change, the game changer, let's say, um, what we are facing right now in 3D printing. So the customer is first right now. Very, very interesting. Uh, Frank, when I mentioned that Chuck Hull had developed this about 30 years ago and he dreamed that this would be used in homes, are you surprised that people are actually embracing it because 3D is now able to put the customer first? What are your thoughts on home use of 3D before we dive into our chemicals industry Mm -hmm. topic today? Frank, thoughts? Mm -hmm. Um, yes, I think it was it was even starting up, let's say, um, from from a home appliance point of view a little bit. Yeah, but um, um, I think you can bring your your own spare parts in the future whenever necessary. But um, nevertheless, I think this market is um, it's not the fastest growing. I see the manufacturing market, let's say, the industrialized manufacturing market, as the predominant market overall. Let's say I think the other stuff will be a niche at least uh-huh. for the next five years to come. And maybe it'll be a curiosity. Remember when it was, I don't know how you deal with this in Germany, but keeping up with the Joneses has always been a mantra. I don't know what culture that's attached to. Oh, they have a bigger car. Oh, they have an Escalade. Oh, oh they have a Hummer. Humvee in the drive, whatever they call it. Do you remember those big ones? Um, oh, they have a color TV. Oh, they have a cell phone. We've got to get that. We saw, I wonder if it's, oh, the, 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 uh, the Borsteins next door <laughs> have a 3D printer. We have to get one too. Just, just, uh, not actually joking. It, 
it, it is a possibility. Frank, it's a pleasure to have you on with us today, and thank you so much. And now let's turn to our second panelist, Greg Goreback at ARC Advisory Group. Greg has sent me an interesting quote from Thornton May, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N-M-A-Y. He's the author of The New No, K-N-O-W, Innovation Powered by Analytics. It came out in 2009. Who is Thornton May? A futurist, an educator, and an author. He has researched and consulted on the roles and behaviors of C-level executives in creating value with information technology. He has an unquestioned place, according to Wikipedia, on the short list of serious thinkers. And eWeek magazine publication honored him in the top 100 most influential people in IT list. And Fast Company magazine called him one of the top 50 brains in business. Woohoo! Here's the quote Greg has selected from Thornton May. Hinges of history are important moments. They are filled with opportunity and risk. One of the biggest risks is not being aware that one is living in such a moment. I feel like I'm in the presence of a great philosopher here. Greg Gorbach, how have you been? I've been terrific. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me about Thornton May. Do you have his book and are you a big follower? Well, you know, I, I do have his book, and, uh, you know, I appreciate some of the work he's done. The reason I picked this quote is because I like this concept of hinge of history, and I think it really applies right now. Um, when he uses it, he, he positions the hinge as really more like a door between now and the future. Um, and I think that's where we're at right now. 3D printing, it's already changing things in a big way. So, I mean, we're... Uh, we can see printing parts on demand uh, will eliminate the need for warehouses. Um, the technology has evolved from uh, contained additive machines like powder bed machines to end effectors on multi-axis robot arms, uh, large-scale 3D printers, uh, and swarms of spider-like machines working in tandem. Mm. Um, plastics, ceramics, <clears throat> carbon fiber, and metal parts. All can be produced, and they, you can have high quality, high strength, and and low weight characteristics. What we don't have yet is the technology for high volume production, but you know mm-hmm. we certainly are making a lot of progress. So this, but even with all that, this is only the one small part of um, what I call the great digitization that's changing manufacturing. We're seeing smart operations and supply chains, smart products and services, uh, artificial and, uh, intelligence and machine learning are, are changing the way we do things. We have connected things like helmets and goggles and badges and smart carriers and smart tools and a new technology stack to implement all that. So in my mind, there's no doubt this is a hinge point for manufacturing. I think that door is wide open and we're sprinting through it. I like that. A lot of colorful comments there in, in what you shared with us, Greg. I have a question for you. A few years ago, there was breaking news that a young woman, I'll say scientist using that loosely, a student at Harvard, had developed a way to 3D print lipstick. She made the news. She was on all the shows. She was in all the all the documentation on 3D. I never figured out how she was going to get something that was pliable and soft enough to actually put on human lips. Did you remember that story, Greg? Did you hear that? I haven't heard about, I have not heard about that one, though it certainly sounds like an interesting idea. You know that they are 3D printing pasta, spaghetti. You must know that, right? <laughs> well, why no? not? Why, I mean, why 3D, not? 
uh, 3D printing uh, uh, body parts as well, not in a gruesome way, but in a, uh, you know, for medical Prosthetics, purposes. So, that's I mean, right. Things are happening. They certainly are. Very interesting. Yes, I'm going to look this one up. Uh, the best possible pasta shapes made real by 3D printing. There's an article in Gizmodo, and that's the title, The Shape of Things to Come. Uh, let's see. Last year, a California-based company made the world. Oh, this is about a handgun. No, spaghetti 3D print models. You can download the files. I'm not kidding you. CGTrader.com. 3D print models spaghetti. OMG. Yeah, I'm just not going to go there. Anyway, very, very interesting. Okay. So thank you very much, Greg. Good insights and let's round out the panel with our good friend Stefan Gertzkin who is one of the three sponsors of this new series. Our series of course is called The Future of Manufacturing with Game Changers and Stefan holds that honor as sponsor with his colleagues David Parrish at SAP and Thomas Pohl at SAP. They are dividing and conquering if you will the topic, the broad topic of future manufacturing. So here is Stefan and he has sent me a quote from Joseph A. Schumpeter. Joseph A. The A stands for Alois A. Aloya Schumpeter, uh, lived from 1883 to 1950. I always think of 1950 as not that long ago, but I'm telling my age. He was an Austrian-born American economist and political science. He was the finance minister of Austria in 1919, and in 1932, he became a professor at Harvard University. Talking about Harvard, I guess, Greg, he predated the 3D lipstick. He was one of the most influential economists of the 20th century, and he created the term creative destruction in economics. We'll just leave that one alone. Here is the quote Stefan has selected. Innovation is the market introduction of a technical or organizational novelty, not just its invention. I like that. Stefan, welcome back. How have you been? Doing well. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for the topic. Thanks for the great panel. So far, we're having a good time here with a lot of great information. So, are you a fan of of, uh, Professor Schumpeter, and how did you pick this quote? Well, um, when Schumpeter um, um, crafted the concept of creative destruction, he was spot on, um, but he probably couldn't anticipate what's going to happen today. And, um, I mean, his concept is um, more valid than ever. I mean, what we see in the market today, there is a creative destruction uh, driven by digital transformation. You see a lot of, of new business models being adopted across the industry, and you see a lot of, of uh, formerly let's call it lab curiosities, are being uh, taken to the market. They, if you will, cross the chasm to commercial application and viability, and 3D printing is a perfect example for that. So, um, I mean, as you mentioned, Chuck Ho, he invented that, that 3D printing technology as a, as, a, as a lab curiosity 30 years ago, and he couldn't even imagine that, that it's going to become commercialized in the near future. So now that's going to happen, and I think Greg mentioned a few examples already. So we we see 3D printing being adopted more and more on the mainstream in various applications, various industries, and it's just the beginning what we see. So um, and that prompted me to really pick that quote because I think it's 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 more valid than ever, and um, I liked also the concept of Schumpeter that creative destruction. So I, I love that term, and I love the concept. Yeah, I do too. I, I was intrigued with that stuff. We talk about innovation a lot. We used to have a series here on Game Changers called Innovating Innovation 
very interesting series, and we spoke with very often the panelists were uh, graduate students in, in Germany at, at SAP, and we talked about the innovative mindset and how were we going to get that disruptive thinking outside of the box into more organizations, into the schools, everywhere. And I don't know that we ever really touched on this, that it's just not something that's super cool and disruptive and, wow, look what I can do and look at this thing, but it has to be an introduction into the market. Very interesting, Stefan. I, I like that a lot. Thank you for that insight. Really appreciate that. Now let's turn back to Frank Jenner. Frank, I'm going to get a little personal with you. Hope you don't mind, but I think I warned you on our prep call. I'd like to know where you're calling from today and what time is it? I know you're not in the U.S. today. And what are you drinking if it's something interesting? If not, what would you rather be drinking? So let's get to know you a little bit better, Frank Jenner at EY. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, well, actually, today I'm in Switzerland, and um, when I look out of the window, I'm just about 300, 400 feet elevated of the Zurich Sea, which is an excellent view, let's say, if I may say so. So that's where I'm based or stationed right now today, and um, in my cup in front of me, let's say, which I organized specifically for our discussion right now, is a marvelous cappuccino, let's say, but it's an Italian style, freshly made up of lavazza blue coffee beans, which is almost close to my very, very favorite um, dish, let's say, when it comes to a real coffee. And next to it, even I can see um, a spring water um, coming out of the French Alps, um, out of a town called Evian, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which is excellent too. Thank you very much. Nice to get to know you, Frank. And we have to do a shout-out to your friends at EY. We have many people, many thought leaders from your organization on Game Changers and always happy to have someone. I think Eileen Hahn is one of our connections there, so a shout-out to Eileen. Thank you very much. Greg Gorbach, where are you today? I think you're here in the home in the U.S. where I am somewhere. So where are you, and what are you drinking that's really, really interesting, Greg? Well, I'm here in Boston today where it's a nice, sunny Kind of early spring day, um, warming up nicely, uh, so I'm quite happy about that. We um, Today I'm drinking coffee. I drink coffee all the time, and I'm drinking coffee from um, you know my favorite coffee shop, which I think I mentioned before on this program called Recreo Coffee and Roastery. It's a family business. They've got a mm-hmm. farm in the Coffee Triangle in Nicaragua and a retail shop in my neighborhood, but that's but. not the point. <laughs> I'm drinking my coffee out of a 3D printed coffee mug that I printed no. in my local library. No. Well, okay, not quite. But you can do <laughs> such things as print a 3D coffee mug. You know, there, there are, you can print um, a porcelain, a uh, nice porcelain coffee mug in all kinds of shapes because you can either print the mold for the cup, or you can, uh, it's possible to do a clay extrusion uh, followed by a kind of normal kiln process. So it's possible to do that. It's also possible to do uh, printing a coffee mug shape, uh, though I'm not 100% convinced that there are uh, food-safe polymers that are available that would stand up to the heat and needs of a, of a coffee mug. But I could have one that looks like a coffee mug. So, And I could print it in my local library, so... Uh, Seriously, maybe not no. At the home. 
Now, wait a minute. We talked about home. We're talking about industry, chemicals, factory. That's our topic today, 3D printing, shaking up and disrupting the chemicals industry. Libraries now have 3D printers? I, I have a question for that. But seriously, Greg, your library does? Well, actually, my colleagues uh, does. Um, and he's done, you know, he's used it. Uh, they've got some software tools to help uh, help you realize the, the parts that you have in mind. And, and then you can go, you know, you can just... You know, reserve it like you would reserve a, a printer or a, a video uh, uh, at the library. So, um, yeah, that's happening, and, and uh, there are many libraries that do this already. I have a question for you. You know the mantra in a library, don't you, Greg? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, listen, I, I have a, a television show I've been producing on cable here on Long Island for about 20, 23 years. Well, since 1997, 20 years. And I got to be truthful on that. And I had a friend who was doing some business. He had invested in a local 3D printing company, two young guys. They actually brought their printer to my TV studio. And they printed me out one of those, you know, one of those little adorable pencil holder cups. You know, the kind. It's, sure. it's black. It has the lines in it. And it's about four inches tall. And they did it right there in the studio. The noise was deafening. I'm sorry. So I'm wondering, does a library well, <laughs> need to have a quiet room for this? Come on. I'm, come on. How do they I'm do? sure they have it in a quiet enough place. Um, oh, that. And, you know, I'm, there are different technologies, so I'm not sure exactly what uh, what kind of thing that, uh, that you heard, but it seems like it was quite a loud one. Yeah, I mean, uh, these things, you know, there are going to be some other factors, and I wouldn't recommend, uh, you know, a library is the best place for something like this, but it certainly makes it available to everybody, and that's the, that's the whole point of it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I had to have a little fun with you on that one, Greg. I know you're up for it. And, Stefan, where are you today, and what are you drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking in your 3D-printed cup? Come on, Stefan, tell us. What are you drinking out of? Well, I'm based in the lovely middle part of Germany, and as you can imagine, I mean, it just stopped raining, but typically in my hometown, which is called Wuppertal, it's raining um, typically all day long, so that's the bad side of the house. So I have a nice uh, um, Italian espresso in front of me, so it looks like we all three share the same passion for, uh, for coffee. And similar to Frank, I mean, I, I love Italian coffee, be it espresso, be it cappuccino, whatever, and especially Italian blends. I love Italy as a country as well. And, um, and to Greg's point earlier, it's not only coffee mugs, what you obviously can, can print 3D-wise. I mean, I just learned two weeks ago that you can even have full coffee machine 3D printed um, at your home as a kind of, of a weekend workshop. So I'm really curious to try that out. I mean, I just got that from the Internet. So obviously um, 3D printing is even progressing in that area. So I found that quite interesting. So having in future probably a full set of, of Coffee Max plus a machine in front of you all 3D printed. So that's Oh, my. I, I can't believe this. <laughs> this is very interesting. We've got lipstick and pasta, and now we've got coffee mugs. I want to yeah. see if there is go- yeah, gorgeous as well. So oh, my God. Goodness gracious. Very, very interesting. Thank you, gentlemen. And guess what? Stefan knows. Greg may remember. And Frank, this is new to you. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and I think you know why. So all I'm allowed to have is a cool, clear cup of cool, clear water from my Brita filter. And I have an orange or a pinkish color straw because it was raining here yesterday in New York. I think uh, Greg in Boston probably too. And the sun is out, so the straw color worked. However, we're getting snow tomorrow. 
tomorrow. Are you getting it in Boston also, Greg, tomorrow? It's not clear yet. Okay, well, let's hope they're wrong. That's the one profession I'm glad usually when they're very, very wrong. They go on TV, they look wonderful, they show you all these charts and all of these whiteboards and all of this, these flying uh, pictures of, of storm, storm surges and all this, and then they get to be wrong in public. And usually we're saying, thank goodness they were wrong, only when it's bad weather and it fails to come true. So I digress. I'm Bonnie D. Graham talking to a very interesting panel. We have Frank Jenner at EY, Greg Gorbach at ARC, and Stefan Gertzkin at SAP. Our topic today is 3D printing, changing the game in the chemicals industry. I have a quick question before we go to break. Stefan, are we calling it chemical industry or chemicals, plural? How do you want me to say that? I want to be accurate. Well, that, that's, that's interesting that you are asking that because we are debating that, I think, for at least five years within our own company. I mean, I tend to say chemical industry, but obviously the official name is chemical industry. So uh, um, I, I cannot give you a straightforward guidance, and I can't give you any arguments, uh, pro and con chemical or chemicals. But it's, it's an interesting debate. What, as I said, I mean, we have that for quite a while in our own four walls at SAP, and not only there. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Maybe Greg or, or Frank have an opinion on that. I was going to ask. Uh, uh, well, Frank Jenner, what do you think? Is it chemical or chemicals? Yeah. What do you prefer? Oh, uh, no, no, no. I would say singular, chemical. It's chemical industry, let's say. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that's the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel comfortable with that as well, um, Frank. Greg, okay, Greg. What side? do you think, Greg? Well, that's fine for me, but I, uh, I, you know, I can go either way. It doesn't matter uh, on this topic. It seems like, uh, um, y- you know, no matter which one we use, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I want to make sure I do too, though. Okay, so it's uh, you say tomato, I say tomato. We've got one chemical, we've got a bunch of chemicals. We have an industry. It's magic. So on that note, we all need a break. I promise you, we will be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. So I'm going to say to my engineer extraordinaire, Kevin, out. We'll be right back. The manufacturing world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly industry leaders address new trends, overcome new challenges, and take advantage of new technologies. The aerospace, chemicals, high-tech, and industrial sectors are at the forefront of transforming manufacturing operations to truly change the game. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how innovations are driving new challenges and trends across various manufacturing sectors. The Future of Manufacturing with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to The Future of Manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of manufacturing with Game Changers. 
Absolutely. And we're changing the game in the chemical or chemicals industry, however you want to say it. We just had a little debate around the table. We're talking 3D printing. It's exciting. It's new. It's disruptive. It has come maybe to a basement, a garage, or a library near you. Oh, my. We're talking today with Frank Jenner at EY and Greg Gorbeck at ARC. And rounding out the panel, Stefan Gertzkin at SAP. We have to do a shout-out to our tweeters. We have Monica Gassman. Thank you, Monica. Happy to see you here. We have somebody named SAP. P4, the numeral four chemicals, plural, Stefan, they've been tweeting. See, oh, else I saw a couple of other people. We have 3D genuity, it looks like. They are tweeting as well, listening to the show. We welcome you. And we had a gentleman here. Let's see, we have Subhankar Patanayak. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Subhankar P is his handle, and he's tweeting as well. We're delighted to have you all listening, and thank you yeah. so much. So, let's start... Just That's your team. Well, you our team as well. We are delighted to have your team on board. We always welcome tweeters. And for those of you who aren't there, we like to tweet at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. That's our hashtag. So please join us. The water's warm. Jump in the pool with us. So Frank Jenner is going to start. Thank you for that, Stefan. Frank Jenner is going to start us off in the roundtable. We're going to pick one topic from him, and then we'll go around the table. Then we'll pick one from Greg, one from Stefan, and let's see how much we can cover. Frank says the following. With 3D printing... Product design experiences a shift from what is producible to customer values. We don't ask the question anymore, what can we do or produce with 3D printing? We now ask what our customer requires, and then we start how to do it with 3D printing. And he, he subscripts this as 3DP. I guess that's the, the way uh, the modern people are doing it. I'm still work, using on the word printer. So, Frank Jenner, please tell us more. Producible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, fair enough. Um, we started, let's say, as I initially said, from prototyping, let's say, yeah, um, and, and that was the base, let's say, where we are coming from. And, and in these days, um, we have matured and we look really down to the customer value, uh, the customer needs, let's say, first of all, and then we design backwards, let's say, into our technology, which means um, um, designing or let's say coming up with the idea which sort of printing um, methodology um, should be applied, which sort of material should be applied. So that's the new, um, I would say, yeah, the, the new way forward um, in 3D printing or additive manufacturing, as we say. And um, in, in, in the last year, let's say, we just did um, what, what, from a UI perspective, let's say, um, a, a, a large study, let's say, where we interviewed over 900 companies worldwide, um, and the phrase was asked, how will 3D printing make your company the strongest link in the value chain? And um, mm. the result out of this was, that it was increasingly heavily that people are saying more and more applications will come up in the next um, one to five years. And um, so the direct printing of direct materials in used in serial production, this is something which is now really getting decent around it, let's say, and strong. Very interesting. You know, uh, Frank, what you just mentioned is just an echo of the opening quote you selected from Steve Jobs. You've got to start with customer experience mm. and work back toward the technology, not the other way around. So I, I appreciate that very much. Greg Gorbeck, let's get you in on this. What do you think about what Frank just introduced for us? Agree or well, disagree? I, I, I think he's exactly right. Um, you know, um, but I, I'll take it even one step further, that um, notion of, of what's producible, I mean, 
many times the parts, you know, the design or the shape of the parts were, were dictated by the kind of machining that, that was available to, to produce them. And, um, and now we can, we can go back a step in the design and work through the software and some uh, simulation or modeling things, and we can come up with improved designs that, uh, uh, that handle, you know, the stress, uh, mechanical stress better. Um, they can be lighter weight because you can do things like have a kind of a lattice work interior of a part um, that you could in no way produce before. Uh, so you can take some weight out, you can improve the strength, and you can improve the stress. And, re- and, and sometimes this results in a, a part that has all the key interface points uh, exactly the same, but the rest of the shape looks quite different. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of these kind of futuristic uh, part designs as we get better and better with doing this kind of technology. Thank you, Greg. Stefan, please join us. Your thoughts? Well, I think um, both are spot on. I mean, um, um, 3D printing provides a perfect example to to um, 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 meet the market demand of mass customization and lot size one. Um, uh, Frank alluded to a small series, and we see, let's say, in, in the in the chemical industry, we see, for example, we see uh, small batches instead of that. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say batch size one. That may happen in some cases, but at least small batches. And now the opportunity is really there to um, to produce these customized uh, um, uh, products and and, and design them back into, for example, uh, chemical recipes. And there is where I see a huge opportunity for chemical industry. I mean, they they can come up with uh, innovative recipes, uh, materials which um, which allow to produce materials, complex materials. Um, uh, as never before. So, um, and there is the chance. I mean, be it new, new, new resins, new, new composites, new metal powders, or whatever, which could be blended into special composites and 3D printed via diverse technologies. And that is the unique opportunity. What I see to meet really the uh, the more and more customized and or, or or more more and more market needs for customization, be it on the on the on the on the process or discrete size. Or even in other industries, I mean, to say nothing about consumer products or other industries. Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back to Frank. Frank, I want to read one more comment from your notes before we move to something in Greg's list. Just just so that we can, if you don't mind the term level set for our listeners, what we're actually talking about. I think we're at a high level now. I want to bring it down to real words, real companies. So you say, currently... Chemical companies are developing and introducing 3D printed materials in partnership with established 3D printing players. Let me read a little bit more. You say leading chemical companies tend to partnerships with 3D players to make their own products 3D printable. So we're talking about BASF working with HP and Farsoon, Solvay working with Rico and Arivo Labs, lightweight polymers, Dow Chemical with RepRap, and SABIC with Local Motors. Frank, if you could just expand this for a moment. I think we'll go around the table on this, and then, Greg, I'll get to one of your topics, which is related to this. But, Frank, tell us a little more. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the chemical industry, there's a big chance, let's say. Um, Right now, they are mostly focusing on the polymer side, let's say, um, and and polymer introduction into 3D printing. Nevertheless, um, and I think even Germany, let's say, it has a leading position in metal printing right now all over the world. 
Um, however, the metal parts usually, or the metal material uh, applied into 3D printing um, comes out of um, what we call um, metal sintering um, companies uh, like Orlicon and, and, and others to name, let's say. So I see here a potential possibility also for chemicals in two respects. First of all, they can dig in deeper also on the metal side, let's say, because of their deep um, chemical knowledge inside the company. So that's one opportunity to explore that market because that's right about to explode. And the second um, thought uh, on this one is, um, I mean, wherever you have metal, uh, you know, metal is heavy, yeah, uh, and it has, of course, some advantages. But nevertheless, if you can produce lightweight polymers, who um, substitute any sort of metal um, um, parts uh, in, inside a spare parts or inferior production, that's, of course, due to the weight advantage, that's a huge advantage. So chemicals are also concentrating on producing better, uh, higher quality, let's say, polymers, um, who also can substitute. And I think these are the two options right now. Thank you very much. Greg, you want to chime in on this for a minute? You have any other examples? You want to talk about the polymers or anything else? Any real-time companies partnering with companies? Well, um, I mean, I just would take it back to the earlier discussion uh, uh, about, um, you know, uh, about customer value um, because it's a good thing for chemical companies to work with the, the uh, 3D printer machine companies uh, to come up with you know new techniques and, uh, and and new materials that work together to to be able to produce new parts, but to really do it effectively, I think the the, the even better approach is to work in tandem with a um, with a manufacturer who's got a particular set of problems that they're trying to solve as well. So I think if um, you know if we can get that kind of a um, a, a triple partnership. Um, then I think that will help advance things very quickly. Thank you. Stefan, thoughts on this? Any examples you want to share? Yeah, I think, I mean, what, what Frank mentioned earlier, definitely there is, is, um, is, is a lot of, of, of um, research going on in the chemical industry to make materials which are 3D printable. I mean, just to name a few, Covestro, for example, is working on, on, uh, on polyurethanes or also on polycarbonates, which might be... Um, um, 3D printed and and um, give you right away semi finished goods. You see 3M working on on fluorinated uh, polymers, perfluorinated polymers like Teflon, which is definitely a challenge to get those um, um, 3D printing process. Then last but not least, you have also companies like um, like Wacker. I mean, working on 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 rubber like 3D printed materials. I mean, they start to use silicones and and cure them with UV light which is a very demanding and sophisticated technology. So you see a lot of research is going on in terms of, of um, driving innovation into, into the, um, the semi-finished parts and lot size one area. And apart from that, to Greg's point, I mean, I think the, the, it's not only just the chemical companies or 3D printing companies and others working together. I see even entire networks emerging. I mean, let's, let's take AP, AP Works, which is an Airbus subsidiary, they're looking um, um, the whole way across the entire supply chain and want to leverage 3D printing. I mean, starting with prototyping um, and, and um, intellectual property protection and then all the way down to producing 
finished goods, which which um, reduce the weight of, of aeroplanes, and they they looking at the entire supply chain, and also companies like like UPS are are entering the bandwagon and working with Stratavis and even also with SAP in that case, just to to develop entire. Um, networks uh, or platforms uh, for 3D printing, where you can bring companies and players together to collaborate and 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 cover basically a full ecosystem around 3D printing. So there's a lot of things going on right now. Thank you very much. That was a, a good topic we picked there, Frank. I'm going to move on to something from Greg. Greg, let's do a little look back in terms of the evolution of materials. And, and let me read a couple notes here. You say, when we discuss leaps in technology, many times it's with respect to materials. We had the Stone Age. We had the Bronze Age. We had the Iron Age. It's the materials we use. We went from building everything from microchips all the way up to skyscrapers. So talk about how the evolution of materials. Let's just dive a little bit into that. And you also make the statement, Greg, the chemical industry is responsible for supplying and driving the growth of additive manufacturing, which is another way of saying 3D printing. So, Greg, do, let's do a little historical look back with you, please. Well, um, you know, I think it is absolutely true that the chemical industry is, is responsible. They may not be um, solely responsible, but it's the advances in the, in the materials that plays a key factor in driving the, the rapid growth of these things. So there's some, it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the, um, the, the machines and the techniques for, for developing that, and there's some interesting stuff going on there, but nothing happens at all without the, the materials and without thinking about new alloys and, and, uh, and new ways of, of, of working with some of these things. So, you know, I think uh, you mentioned uh, about skyscraper, and you can't build a skyscraper out of wood or bricks. Um, and and you can't really make some 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 parts that you want with the materials that are available today. But that's changing pretty quickly. And there's an amazing array of really uh, um, heavy use uh, and heavy strain kind of products that can be um, can be created this way. So I think um, it's something that happens. And uh, you know the others on the call are probably more or better suited than I am to, to delve into the, the, the chemicals, technologies that, that's involved. But it's clear that, that um, you know, this is the forefront, this is the driver, and, um, and, 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 and I, you know, as much energy as we already see in this space, I think there's a huge upside for even more because it, it just seems like the sky's the limit. Thank you. I think it is indeed. Stefan Gerskin, you want to add to what Greg just commented on? A very interesting looking at the evolution of materials as part of, I think, the, the substructure of how we evolve technology. Stefan? Yeah, I can fully echo what, what Greg said. I mean, I, I see it the same way. I'm, 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 I'm a chemist by education, by the way, so um, it goes straight to my heart. So what I see really what's happening is, uh, I think it's mentioned earlier, you, you have three key, I would say, building blocks for 3D printing. One is, is polymers, advanced polymers or resins. Then the second part is metal powders. And the third part is uh, ceramic materials. And there are different technologies how you can process them. And they are just currently in the exploratory stage, but you have be, be it uh, laser sintering or be, be it just, just melting resins or, or UV curing or, or whatever. I mean, there's so many technologies. I think there are overall right now 20 technologies in the market which are explored. And apart from that, I was just reading a paper which, which quote that even the mining industry is looking at using 
using uh, minerals which come straight out of a mine, using them as as um, as a kind of let's say ceramic materials or add-ons for 3D printing. For example, um, titanium dioxide pigment and things like that. So that means you don't have to um, work them up in the conventional way and turn them into white pigments. You can just use the mineral and make something different out of it without further processing or, or upfront processing. Just take it out of the mine, um, granulate it, and then just go with it and process it. I mean, these kind of just this idea of what's going on right now in terms of innovative thinking. So I think that we, we just see the tip of the iceberg in that regard. You know, you know, hey. Stefan, this is Greg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, uh, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, we, we know that the chemical companies uh, in general have, uh, have recognized the need to be more customer-centric and work with their end users, and I mentioned that a, a, a little bit uh, mm-hmm. as part of this, but... Your point about um, you know the mining tells me that it's also the, the the entire supply chain that needs to be part of this. So I think your earlier point was exactly the right one. They need to be working with the customers to figure out exactly what they want, but they also need to be working at every point throughout the supply chain to figure out how to take advantage of those kind of improvements that you just mentioned, and uh, and take those all the way from the beginning. Um, uh, where you take it out of the earth to the, the end use that the customer has. Thank you. Frank, I want to go around uh, the table yeah. to you. We've had some interesting comments here. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Um, I think um, we have a combination here, let's say. We have on the one hand side, we have the um, producer, the manufacturer of a 3D printing machine, let's say, yeah, so which is a, an industrial product in that sense. And on the other side, we have the components. And um, as Stefan said, it's either metal powder or it's polymers, let's say, or it's ceramic most of the time. Um, so the mixture of which material with which, under which condition, let's say, or which machinery tool is the right one, yeah? Is it powder bed infusion or is it a binder chatting or it is pure material chatting or direct energy deposition or sheet lamination? Whatever, let's say it, it's manifold, yeah. So, and right now there is not a, a sort of, um, but uh, each technology, I would say, has its advantages and, of course, also its disadvantages, yeah. And we are now still a little bit in the elaboration phase to find out what is best for what, let's say. And customer demand is driving us in the right direction, I would think so. So, for chemical industry, it's a big opportunity and a chance to combine, let's say, to build up new business and operating models with the tool manufacturer. And you see this, as I quoted in my, in my second statement, let's say, you see the combination that not every single chemical company is doing everything, and also not the tool manufacturer is doing everything, so everyone is specializing and building smaller kind of networks and you can say even supply and demand networks because the printer um, producer, let's say, wants to sell the printer and the material comes alongside with it. So it's a win-win situation for all these combinations which you earlier have mentioned, let's say, with HP and BSF and Parson and Solvay with Rico and so on and so on. Yeah? So that's coming up more and more. And the chemical industry needs to position themselves so that they are also in the lead and not only the tool manufacturers in the lead in that respect. Thank you very much. I'm looking at the clock. We have about 
five minutes, four and a half, till we go to our predictions, crystal ball predictions round in the show. But, Stefan, you had so many interesting things you sent me in your notes. I want to go into one about the commercial benefits. I don't know if we covered this, but, Stefan, let me read a little bit from this segment of your notes, and I'd like you to just do a, a quick dive. I don't know if we'll have time to go around the table. Stefan says, across all industries, 3D printing promises to reduce costs across the supply chain. For example, the ability to print spare parts on demand can save money. It also helps control costs with reduced waste and a smaller carbon footprint. And who doesn't want that? Want that? So, Stefan, can you elaborate for us, please? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the, the the basic idea is, I mean, talking about benefits. I mean, it starts first and foremost with with the raw material side. So, three um, D printing is an additive manufacturing meth- uh, um, uh, technology, which basically, by definition, saves um, or consumes only as many raw materials as the finished product really needs. So, you don't, it's not subtractive as the conventional. You don't generate any waste. So that's the first thing. Second mm-hmm. thing is you can produce. Your, your products on site. I mean, it depends how you design your supply chain. Let's assume um, an asset manufacturer needs a spare part. You can produce on site. So there's no shipment, no, no carbon emissions, no transportation. And on top of that, no delay in, 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 in shutdown uh, uh, an asset or whatsoever. So that even increases the uptime of your, your asset in that case. So um, if you produce on site, you don't have to worry about with, 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 with tariffs and taxes, and we all know what's happening with, with, with Brexit and what, what Mr. Trump is doing in the U.S. So, um, I mean, uh, all the, the tariffs, the customs, and what, everything, what, what comes into that uh, due to cross-border shippings may become redundant. And then also the flexibility, what you have to, can, you can redesign your entire supply chain, disrupt the supply chain, if you will. You don't have to look at, at huge assets, what you place somewhere, and which you cannot move. I mean, you, you look just at 3D printers, you can place anywhere and uh, in any, any size, if you will, or, or put them modular together. So there's a strong potential to disrupt the entire um, supply chain and save a lot of inventory costs um, along with... Um, yeah, the whole supply chain cost as such, including transportation. And Thank yeah, you. I think that's, yep. that's basically it. Thank you very much. Fascinating. I want to. We do have time to go around the table just for about a minute a piece. That'll do it. So Frank Jenner, you're sitting next to Stefan. If I go around the circle the same way, Frank Jenner, any thoughts on this reduction of cost through 3D printing, especially in chemicals? What do you see? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I must agree with Stefan. Um, he's entirely right. Um, the, the, the cost reduction, let's say, for any, um, and specifically in the spare parts environment, let's say, this is tremendous. And this is not yet foreseeable. What does this mean in, in total um, of taking out costs, let's say, of the supply chain? And um, chemical industry, as well as the manufacturer of the printer, they are both in the driver's seat. They can steer this. They can run the show currently uh, to the advantage, yeah, I would even say, even to economy and society yeah, in that respect. Um, and it's huge. Yeah? It is huge. It's ex- exciting. Did anybody use the E-word exciting yet on the show? I'm going to add that. As the outsider looking in, listen, I'm, I'm listening to the three of you, Frank Jenner and Greg Gorbach and Stefan Gertzkin, and I'm I'm typing here in my notes to my engineer. They're all brilliant. They're so smart. This is such exciting stuff. We're, we're coming at it at a very academic, uh, let's talk about this, but I think it's very exciting. So I'm going to give Greg Gorbach just one minute to tell us how exciting that is, and then we're going to go back to Frank for our predictions round. So, Greg, what do you think, quickly? 
Well, I'd just like to touch on the cost thing, too. I mean, I, I think you can tell from my comments already that I, I, I think this is a pretty exciting time. But um, but there is a, a cost driver, uh, you know, and, and Frank and Stefan have both talked about that. Um, but, there, you know, in addition to that, though, where we are right now, there are still some time-consuming setups and intermediate steps and post-processing steps and rework processes, um, you know, to get these parts into the, into the final shape so they can be used. And so that detracts a little bit about uh, the, the value of the 3D printing today. Um, uh, but it's also part of the opportunity for, uh, for the new materials, um, you know, it, currently maybe under R&D, um, in the chemicals company to uh, to come up with some new methods and materials that eliminate uh, many of those additional processes, and that'll drive the cost down much further and, and speed up the process quite a bit. So I, uh, I'm really excited to see that that happen. Thank you. He used my e-word. Thank you very much, Frank Jenner. I'm tar- circling back to you. It's time for predictions, crystal ball. I can give you each sixty seconds maximum. So let's see if we can be very efficient. I'm loving the year 2020, but you can look ahead anytime you see in the EY crystal ball. Dr. Jenner, please go ahead and tell me what you predict around that time frame that will be different about chemicals and 3D printing. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, let's. I, I would say that. Um, First of all, um, the predictions are since the growth rate of the last 10 years in 3D printing is phenomenal, let's say. It follows an E-function. Um, and, and then you continue from right up now, let's say, and we see predictions in five years' time where we are, where we're heading for, and we have the notes that manufacturing industry, let's say, is investing heavily in the next five years in 3D printing capabilities. So the market is even more exploding. And I would see in 2020 or beyond, we will sit here again, hopefully, uh, and we will realize that our strong predictions were even, let's say, too short. Um, and we have over-delivered and over-fulfilled our current predictions. So that's what I'm seeing on one side. Second point, um, I think in the future, um, um, we will see also more a con- commercialization uh, in that sense that we have service providers, let's say, which, have, which are running huge 3D printing farms, um, which operate on airports, on train stations, on wherever, let's say, spare parts are used and immediately used, or on the chemical plant itself, let's say, for, um, for the repair station. So we, we will see that done by a company itself or by a third-party service provider, which we are specializing more and more in that direction. Thank you very much. Greg Gerbeck, I saved 60 seconds for you on the dot. Go ahead. Okay. Well, um, you know, I I I agree with Frank that one thing that characterizes this growth is that it's been um, kind of an exponential growth that is really hard for people to, uh, to realize or to think about what that really means. And so we're, we've come farther, faster than we expected, and we're probably going to do that again. Um, but, you know, sort of more concretely, if I look out, I don't think 2020 maybe, but let's say in the next five to ten years, mm-hmm. we're going to see things like um, 3DP farms where uh, you can send products or, uh, to be done or, or, or request a spare part on demand. Um, I think in that time, it's going to be enough time that we'll make some progress and we'll, we'll be able to um, at least start uh, down the path of reimagining how factories are organized and, and, and how products are produced in those factories. 
So we are going to be uh, maybe not quite, but we're moving to the, from the direction of design it, print it, done. And then, thank you. Um, yeah, go ahead. And then, um, you know, finally, uh, there's going to be capability to print many things uh, on site. We see some of that already, and I think that's going to happen even more. Thank you very much. Stefan, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you, and I mean it. So go ahead, Stefan Gerskin. Can't wait to hear what you predict. Okay, yeah. First of all, I echo what, what, um, what Greg and Frank both said. What, what I'm seeing is um, a kind of, of truly um, commercial adoption of, of 3D printing over the next year. So if you look at, at, at for example, at the Netherlands, uh, a company called Heimans is already building th- uh, 3D printed bridges in Amsterdam. So you see also houses uh, starting being built based on, on 3D printers in a modular fashion, probably based on new materials, highly insulating materials, whatever, which, which is, again, a chemical domain to invent those feeding materials or feedstock. And ultimately, I see even, even let's say, in chemicals, uh, um, semi-commercial or multi-purpose plants being 3D printed in a, in a modular fashion, um, which, are, are, which can add to existing, let's say, facilities um, as, a, as a capacity add-on and which can be moved if the supply chain redesign requires it. So basically building full, full multi-purpose plants, majorly built on 3D printing, I mean, that's, that's a concept what I see happening, probably not by 2020, but may, maybe later on. But just a few examples of what, what, what I see which might happen in a, well, sometime in future. Sometime in the future, we'll go with that. Sometime in the future, Stefan Gertzkin, Frank Jenner, and Greg Gorbach will return to Game Changers, and we'll do some real-time predictions, because the future is happening after I finish the sentence. Whoops, that was the future, and now it's gone. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much to Stefan for working with your colleagues, David Parrish and Thomas Pohl. Excuse me, I'm all choked up on this series. Thank you to Kevin, our engineer at World Talk Radio Business Channel. And I appreciate everybody who's been tweeting. Monica Gassman, SAP for Chemicals. We had 3D Genuity. We had 3D Print Monkey. We had Sapankar and other people. I can't even count them all. So many people tweeting lively words of wisdom on my panelists. So I'll be back this afternoon at 2 p.m. with another live episode of Utilities of the Future with Game Changers, talking about the impact of digitization on the utilities work. Workforce Part 2 with, uh, let's see, we have James McClellan at SAP and Robert Tila at Open Text. Boy, my memory's good today. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? 3D print a seatbelt. Maybe we could have fancy schmancy designer seatbelts. I'll go see a 3D printer right now after the show. Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the future of manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.